0: From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. And welcome back to the CQ Budget Podcast. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. And stop me if you've heard this one before, but we're facing another partial government shutdown Friday because Congress can't seem to get its act together. Funding for four of the 12 annual spending bills will run dry this Friday night. That's about 20% of total discretionary spending, and the rest runs out on March 8. Congressional leaders have been hoping they can pass the first four bills this week, but that appears more doubtful now. Leaders had hoped to produce draft text over the weekend, but they emerged empty-handed as we tape on Monday morning. And a big war funding package for Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan is also stuck. And the twin log jams prompted President Biden to call for a meeting with congressional leaders at the White House on Tuesday to figure out a way forward. So we want to talk about what's holding things up and what the options might be now, however bleak. And joining me for that conversation are Aidan Quigley, the appropriations reporter at CQ Roll Call, Welcome back, Aiden.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, David, as always.
0: And Paul Kroczak, the senior budget writer at CQ Roll Call. Thanks again for joining me, Paul.
2: Yeah, thank you, David.
0: And so, guys, the only semi surprising thing to me is it really did look like they were on a path toward passing the first four bills because those are really the easiest ones. They're considered the least controversial funding for military construction projects, veterans, energy programs, and the like. And as recently as Friday night, Speaker Mike Johnson had expressed some cautious optimism, we were told, about passing those bills this week in a conference call with his conference. Uh, the press was flagged that there could be text produced by Sunday night, maybe, and then nothing, and then an exchange of of blame trading, by the leaders. So Aiden, I know this is all kept fairly secret until there's a deal, but any idea what went wrong here?
1: You know, I think I think it's, the heart of it is that it, this is all easier said than done. You know, when it comes to the nitty gritty of negotiating these bills, it's really pretty complicated. And I think the big overarching theme here is that, you know, policy writers from the you know, from the time that a top line deal was announced, it was pretty clear that this was going to be the biggest uh, factor, kind of uh, potential roadblock as we move forward in this process. Uh, without a deal on riders, you know, you're still pretty far away from an agreement. You know, even if you did have numbers, which they they had uh, about you know a month and a half ago.
0: Yeah. And these are the, the policy writers, you know, are the, are the things they insert in these spending bills. They don't have to insert them, but they have big fights every year to tie up the bills over abortion policy, gun control, environmental restrictions, the FBI building another FBI headquarters. I mean, there's there's all kinds of little things that they can fight about that always end up tying things up. But the House Republican majority is clearly eager You know, they've been dispirited, they've been divided all year since taking power a year ago, and they're really eager, it seems like, uh, for some conservative policy wins by using these fights over
1: riders, right? Exactly. And, you know, when you look at Congress, especially when we have, you know, the chambers split, there's not a lot of legislation that's moving, you know? So when you have an opportunity like these big spending packages to implement some changes to policy that you you know, are hoping to achieve. Now's the time to do it. And this is a fight to have at this point is the perspective of the House Republicans. You know, Democrats just want to keep the previous riders in place, you know, which was what has been traditionally the agreement in recent years, at least. Um, but, you know, the the fights are ongoing and we there's no end in sight at this point. It's Monday, you know, we don't have a lot of time left for these first four bills. And just to get the, you know, it's hard for me to imagine that we don't either have a CRO shut down on at, at the end of the week.
0: And Paul, you've written about these these fights over riders. You've documented a lot of it. Bring us up to date here. I mean, it, does it look like conservative victories are possible? Does it look like they're going to have
2: to cave on on these things? How how is it looking to you? So there are some riders that Republicans have put in these bills, which have a good chance of becoming of of getting adopted. And that's because these are riders that have a lot of support from the private sector, and they also have some support from Democrats in both the House and the Senate. So there's some bipartisan support there. So there are some new riders that 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 could get into these final bills. But but the majority of the new riders, Democrats are not going to agree to. They just aren't going to agree to. And, and, you know, we kind of knew this going in that, um, you know, typically when Democrats and Republicans agree on these appropriations bills, it's typically pretty much status quo on riders. They agree that, you know, we will leave the riders in that like we're in last year enacted into law, but we will not agree to new riders. So we knew going in that it was going to be very hard for Republicans to get Democratic agreement to most of the new riders. The situation we're in now is that you have the House Freedom Caucus and hardline Republicans insisting that a lot of these new riders that Democrats object to get into the final bill. Um, and and you know, and they they wrote a letter. The House Freedom Caucus wrote a letter saying, you know, if we can't get these riders in, you know, let's let's just. Default to a uh, to a continuing resolution until the end of the year, where there will be automatic spending cuts. So I, I think that's the situation right now.
0: Yeah, there's no question that the Freedom Caucus, you know, they are clearly itching for a fight. They are not eager to pass spending bills that that would spend more than they want, and they look at a at a stopgap measure that just extends current funding as. As a win for them, right? Because it it would keep spending lower than what these bills allow. Um, so they're in no rush to do anything. And so and so, Mike Johnson, this new House Speaker, who's very inexperienced, is really under the gun, facing pressure from his party's right wing to hold firm on these on these victories. And and we saw, I think, guys, the the level of frustration that's building over this weekend, right? Because because Chuck Schumer. The Senate majority leader, Democrat, uh, you know, fired off a letter, widely publicized Sunday. uh, And the way he put it is that House Republicans need more time to sort themselves out. I mean, ouch, right? I mean, you can tell how frustrated he is. Uh, That's not genteel language. And then Johnson was quick to fire back with a statement of his own saying that Johnson's letter was counterproductive, and then he accused uh, Senate Democrats of trying to up the ante and get more spending than they had previously wanted or asked for in the Senate bills, right? So there's a whole other fight. We're having these fights over riders, but it also appears now as though there's also some fights over spending here. Not clear what that is, is that Johnson was referring to. He didn't spell it out in his statement. But we know there are things like the WIC program, that's that nutrition assistance program for women, infants, and children, where the Biden administration says they need about a billion dollars more than than last year's level to avoid shortfalls and, and, you know, kicking mothers and kids off this program. So, That's a whole nother level of complexity now that might be rearing its head, it seems like.
1: Yeah, that's definitely one of the open issues at play here on the agriculture bill, which I think of the first four, that one is what that one and T HUD are probably the two that are most controversial at this point. Um, Energy Water was in the best shape, is in the best shape at this point of the four. But again, as we were talking about earlier, uh, you know, some serious policy differences exist. So you have the WIC issue in, in ag, and you also have um, this snap choice pilot that House Republicans were, were pushing for, um, which would limit the type of foods a snap recipients could purchase, which House Republicans are pushing for, but de- Democrats are not in favor of. So that's another factor of play here in the, in the ag bill. Um, that we're we'll keeping an eye on. Yeah, the the
0: agriculture bill has been surprisingly contentious this year. Worth remembering, the House couldn't even pass its own agriculture bill this year, right? They had to pull it from the floor, is my recollection. In the House, they're partisan-written bills, so they weren't getting any help from Democrats, and Republicans were divided over it. You had that abortion issue in the in the agriculture bill too, that that scared away some of the GOP moderates. I mean,
1: yeah. So ag. I went to the floor actually and was defeated um, by a large margin, which included moderate Republicans and also Republicans from farm states uh, who want, you know, who did, were not okay with the level of the cuts in, in that bill. So it's it's definitely been a very contentious year for the agriculture bill, and you know the, that the abortion issue that tanked it on the floor with Republicans is still, you know, being discussed in the appropriations level, which is pretty interesting because it couldn't even get the votes to pass. The Republican House. So the fact that that's still an outstanding issue kind of signals that we're not that close to an agreement here. Of course, you know, Republicans will have to fold on that one if they want to pass full-year appropriations because it's really impossible to see Democrats accepting a provision that even moderate Republicans don't like. So um, another thing to keep an eye on. And it seems like the transportation HUD bill isn't
0: any easier now. And that's usually one of the least controversial bills too because you know transportation programs are usually bipartisan pretty popular right there was a bipartisan infrastructure bill they passed a couple of years ago uh, one of the few big bipartisan initiatives but i guess it sounds like housing programs have gotten more controversial and 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 the spending levels within housing programs is is going to be contentious and so that's my right guys but that that's that's tied up too now
1: yeah it is and i think taking a step back and looking at the bigger picture i these are the easy bills, and we're running into some serious, serious problems right now. When you look at the March eight deadline, that's the, there's some bills in there that are even more contentious, like Homeland Security, where you know it seems like they're not even they're not close right now to coming to an agreement, where the two parties are pretty far apart on on that bill. And as we reported last week, March they're considering a continuing resolution to March twenty second for some some of the bills in the second batch. But it's still a very fluid situation right now, and we're not particularly close at this moment, it appears, to reaching a deal where we can pass a you know, final fiscal 24 appropriations starting this week and next week.
0: Yeah, and, and to look at timing now, guys, I mean, as we tape Monday morning, it's possible they still get these first four bills released somehow. It still may be possible, but we should remember the House isn't even coming back to town till Wednesday night. That gives them basically two days before the Friday deadline. And there's still no text. And the House has a 72-hour rule to review bills once they come out. Seems less and less likely to me that these four bills are going to be passed by Friday's deadline. Best case, they go into this weekend with them. Or do we face just another continuing resolution measure even this week?
2: Yeah, I I think so. I think that could happen. That if they... If they are making progress and they think that they can pass these bills, they could do, you know, a one week continuing resolution. Um, and yeah, that that's been that idea has been floated. But I, I mean I think that will depend on whether whether the whether Mike Johnson thinks that he really can get these bills passed in the House with with some conservative support. And if not, then you know then they then they proceed to a to a shutdown.
0: And I think Aiden raised a good point here which is if they're struggling with these first four bills, it's almost inconceivable now that they can pass the other eight bills by March 8. Uh that that would seem like way too high a hurdle for them. And as you guys have already reported, there there's already been talk of another of another stopgap funding measure. This would be the fourth one of the year. That extends current funding to March twenty second,
2: right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that there is very little expectation that they can that they can pass those other eight bills by March eight. I mean, almost no no expectation of that. So, so they would clearly have to go farther. So we may we may well be extending this now
0: all the way to March twenty second. We should say it's basically halfway through the current fiscal year, which began last October, that's how far behind everything is, forcing all these federal agencies to sort of work on autopilot for half the year. And as far behind as they are, we should keep in mind that the Biden administration plans to introduce its new budget for the coming fiscal year, for fiscal 2025. On March 11, they announced. So We're now in a position where we won't even have this year's spending finished when the White House is going to propose a budget for next year. It really does put everything out of sync and show how far behind they are. And even if they keep to that schedule on March 11, we should also say the White House is still a month late in in introducing its budget for the coming year, which you can hardly fault them for because this year's bills aren't done, right? I mean, that's how much of a mess this really has become.
1: Yeah, it's definitely far from ideal at this point where we stand. I think something important to touch on here, too, is the, you know, April, if there's no full year appropriations by the end of April, there's this automatic sequester cut that comes on, which would be very devastating from the perspective of Democrats and, and, you know, defense-focused Republicans who want high-level defense spending in regards to, you know... That side of the budget, but uh, overall, you know, members of the House Freedom Caucus and more conservatives want, you know, they would they would love to see government spending cut. You know, uh, so that is something that they have at least expressed an openness to, um, and that might be coloring some of the decision making that we're seeing from House public leadership.
0: Not a pretty picture, and at the same time, we've got this war funding package stuck in limbo. The Senate, just before its recess, actually managed to pass. This $95 billion measure for Ukraine, mostly for Ukraine, but for Israel and Taiwan also it would help a lot of defense manufacturers here at home to replenish all the weapons that have already been sent to Ukraine. There was no border security funding in it, and the, and the Senate managed to pass it that way. But Mike Johnson said it's dead on arrival in the House. Uh, I don't think we're going to see that come to the House floor. And yet, that's one thing we're going to hear about at this White House meeting on Tuesday is where do we go here on war funding and or border security? But there is a move afoot, you know, that some of the centrists in the House, both Republican and Democrat, the so-called problem solvers caucus people, did introduce their own their own war funding package with a little border security in it, a slim down supplemental package about billion, I think. And they're making the move now to to try to force a, a House floor vote on that measure. Not clear to me how far that gets or how much support it has, because the leadership of both parties oppose it. I mean, Johnson has not been willing to embrace it, I think, because from his perspective, there's not enough border security in it. And- the Democratic leaders aren't willing to back it because they would rather see the more generous Senate bill pass and it would get enacted more quickly because the Senate's already passed it, obviously. So I don't know where that stands or how much of a chance this this new bipartisan effort really has, but boy, it'll be interesting to see if they actually can force a floor vote. One of the key backers of that measure, Brian Fitzpatrick, moderate Republican from Pennsylvania said over the weekend that he's worked out a deal somehow with the parliamentarian where they'd only have to wait a week to bring it to the floor under this discharge petition process they're using. Although in the middle of appropriations, are they going to actually be able to take that up on the floor? Uh, that's another whole mess here to, to keep an eye on. But the pressure is growing, for, particularly for Ukraine aid, over this recess, lawmakers again made visits to Ukraine, heard pleas from Zelensky that you know we need the money. Yesterday, we're running; we ran out of ammunition. We've had to retreat on ground because of that. That's a, that's just another huge fight here that it could really eclipse the appropriations fight, to my mind, in some ways, uh, because there is a time pressure to get that done too. Any thoughts on on how much of a chance? <laughs> there is now guys for for passing any kind of package along those lines
2: you know i think it i think the discharge petition might be the only way to pass it um i mean like if the house and re, if the house democratic and republican leadership basically took a step back and did not whip against it or for it i think that there's a possibility uh a problem, strong possibility that you would have enough democrats and enough republicans in the house to pass that bill and then it goes to the senate and then i could see it passing in the Senate, um, and I mean, with plenty of Republican and maybe Democratic opposition in the House, and some opposition in the Senate, but but it might be the only way to to pass that aid anytime soon.
0: Which would be kind of um, dramatic, right? Because discharge petitions that bypass leadership, their success rate is very low, right? I mean, I think there's very few pieces of legislation that manage to pass that way. Aiden, any thoughts on whether this whether this is real?
1: I mean, as you pointed out, it's really a long shot effort. It's kind of hard for me to see because, especially House Democrats, they're going to lose some House Democrats who um, don't want to provide funding to Israel, and just it's hard to imagine them reaching the two thirds two thirds level, especially with so many House Republicans now turning against Ukraine aid.
0: Well, it's not – I'm not sure it's clear that they need two-thirds if it's a discharge petition, but um,
1: – Well, but how are they going to pass a – do they need to pass a rule? I, I
0: No, I don't think they need to pass a rule because I think uh, the discharge takes care of all that stuff and forces it onto the floor is my understanding. Although the specific plans they have in mind really have not been spelled out, so it's hard to gauge this exactly. But if it is a discharge, I, th- I think they can just force it onto the floor. Fitzpatrick did say it would be an open amendment process. So God knows what the bill would look like in the end. And that would be, a you know, you'd have myriad fights on that. Uh, it would be a messy process. God knows how long it would take also to pass it. Within how If they can't limit amendments, it, it could collapse of its own weight at some point, right? You know, it's it's really unpredictable, I think, how that would unfold. So I think you're right, Aiden. In the end, it's it's probably a long shot, but I guess, but still possible as the pressure builds to to pass something.
1: Yeah, the pressure is definitely building. It's hard for me to see the House passing a huge spending package like that for war funding, but um, yeah, we're gonna have to wait and see how it all plays out.
0: So any closing thoughts here on where we are in appropriations, whether you're surprised it's it's in this bad of shape this late in the year? This is one of the worst years I remember, although not unprecedented for sure. I think I remember going halfway through a fiscal year before with the same same uh, mess Um the the process has been broken for a long time now. I think, you know, the first time, the last time I think they passed all the bills on time was, was in the mid-90s. So it's been a while. I, but this year is is particularly bad, particularly late, and particularly dysfunctional in this divided government uh, with a very divided Republican House majority. Any closing thoughts here on, on how, when we get out of this mess, any predictions on how that unfolds?
1: You know, it's really hard for me to sit back. but You know, I'm feeling less optimistic than usual. You know, I've I've typically been saying that we're going to not, you know, avoid a shutdown every time. And, you know, I don't think there's that high of a desire for a shutdown overall, but but we're really kind of in a dire position at this point and things are looking a little bleak. So um, I, I do think eventually they will pass full year fiscal 2024 appropriations. I do think some of what we're seeing right now is posturing and trying to get an upright hand in negotiations by you know threatening to shut down the government implicitly you know um but i think overall hopefully sometime in march they will pass full year appropriations so we can move on to the fiscal 2025 process but it's not gonna i i really find it hard to believe that we'll pass fully any full year appropriations this week
2: paul yeah i think the i think the odds are against passing the appropriations bills this week i think um I think it's possible they keep working on it with a, uh, with a one-week CR. I think that's possible. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what the odds are of that.
0: It's going to be a long month, I think. Fair to say? Fair to say. An ugly March. All right. Well, that's about all the time we have for now. If you like what you heard here, you can subscribe to the CQ Budget Newsletter which hits your inbox every morning that Congress is in session. You can find that at CQ.com. My thanks again to Aiden Quigley and Paul Krozak for joining me. Thanks, guys.
2: Thank you. Thanks, David.
0: And thank you all for listening. You can find all of our coverage at CQ.com or RollCall.com. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. We'll see you next week.